Well, hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvala, a Wheel of Time podcast. Today we prove our love and dedication to fully understanding the series by taking on a topic that, approached any other way, would make us glaze over like a batch of donuts. But our approach to the 101 series really felt like it would benefit from a deeper dive into the prophecies of the dragon. <laughs> so true. So true. I mean, after all, what really pushes this series, it's the prophecies. Mm-hmm. And what creates the need for this story to unfold in the way that it does. Yeah. So in, in my own personal opinion, it isn't my favorite topic. Mm-hmm. But I think we can both say that we respect it and appreciate the way that Jordan was able to weave everything into a compelling story. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So feelings aside. Yeah. <laughs> and We're doing this for you. <laughs> we, <laughs> we also agreed that if we approached it together, it was going to be fun. So I think like we have, what, 11 pages of notes today? We do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually been way more fun to pull these things together than I was expecting it to be. So now instead of kind of being like dreading this, I'm kind of excited about it. So yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Uh, Where should we start? Let's see here. Do you want to read the part that we have here on prophecies within the world of fantasy or would you like me to? Um, go for it. Okay. You found, I really like this quote that you found, so. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I believe, like, a lot of the stuff that I found on here came from a website, uh, thomasmdbrook.com, I believe it is. And I thought what this person wrote was really, I was like, oh, that's so spot on. Um, but prophecies within the world of fantasy are very common. It is something so ingrained within it within the genre that we cannot talk about the prophecy of the dragon without talking about how prophecies push the plot of a story. And then this quote came from that website that I mentioned. Prophecies can add a fascinating plot line to a novel, giving the book depth, mystery, and intrigue. It also instills the story with a great sense of importance, as if the ages were just waiting for this one conjuncture of events or particular character to come to prominence. It can sometimes be found in historical novels, but it is fantasy writing that the use of prophecy is far more common, becoming almost an art form in itself. Many readers may think that creating a fictitious prophecy would be straightforward, but it certainly isn't, and it is especially difficult if you wish to imbue it with a high level of mystery and complexity. After sprinkling prophecy throughout Game of Thrones, George R.R. Martin said, Prophecies are, you know, a double-edged sword. You have to handle them very carefully. I mean, they can add depth and interest to a book, but you don't want to be too literal or too easy. And I thought yeah. that that was like, like, as I, have, as I was reading through that, especially the part where it's like, 
uh, and instills the story with a great sense of importance as if the ages were just waiting. Like that's, mm-hmm. that is how I've always felt reading the wheel of time novels is like all it's of, all, it all comes down to this, you know, linchpin exactly. moment. And, and like everyone is trying to like save it or destroy it. And it's just got all of these levels of complexities. And I was like, Oh, I like that. There's another thing, too, and I thought it it might be nice to pull a quote from Brandon Sanderson because, after all, he did work on the last three books. Mm -hmm. But in his words, he says, In fantasy novels, it seems like prophecies are intentionally obscure. They abstract things intended to confuse people and act as some kind of twisted guidebook for the hero to live his life. Ooh, I like that. And it's just, you know, especially in the case within the Wheel of Time series – I don't think that our prophecy is so much used to be something creating twists mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. But I think it's really a big factor in causing confusion mm. for the characters Definitely. and to help explain away some of their actions or their misdirections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's a really yeah it's, that's a really great quote from George R R Martin because it is oh Brandon Sanderson. Well, both, both, yeah. But the one that you said, it's like he said, you have to handle them very carefully because I feel like for someone who's not as seasoned of a writer, it would be you know something that could just either take over and consume your whole novel Mm -hmm. if it isn't done with the right touch. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't know. Every time I read books that have their own universe. I'm always blown away by the imagination, the intelligence that it takes to create something like that. I'm just like, there goes my little brain. How did you come up with that? That's just amazing. And I I just love it. And how much fun is it to be on the receiving end when there is like a major plot twist or something that you didn't see coming? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Why didn't I see that? There was (laughs) foreshadowing everywhere. And how did I not catch that? I love that moment. Yeah, and that's just, I mean, with the Wheel of Time, there's so much there, Mm -hmm. and it's so easy to miss things. So easy. So easy. That's what makes the reread even more exciting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I agree. I'm I'm really looking forward to our (laughs) reread. So I wrote this after kind of like reading over this this discussion of prophecy um Mm -hmm. let's let's be honest jordan is the master of creating complexities to keep readers on their toes and digging for more answers here here right i mean (laughs) yeah would we have a podcast talking about this series if it weren't just like if it was just okay yeah This okay-ish series that I'm covering mm-hmm. right now, it's just, it's so good. Uh, Jordan took this device of prophecy to create a character, the dragon, but he basically built, or that he basically built an entire world around. These prophecies tell of both the hope and dread people would face when the rebirth of the dragon took place. He is talked of as a savior and a destroyer all in the same breath. And his arrival has been known for centuries, which is probably why the prophecies are more myth and legend than something people fully feel is a reality waiting around the corner. 
The dragon had been responsible for the breaking of the world, which was exactly what it sounds like. I was like, should, yeah. we, should we take time to explain the breaking of the world? And I was like, no, it's exactly what it sounds like. The world Destruction everywhere. Yeah. Everyone got fucked Book up. Book of Revelations. <laughs> you know. Four horsemen. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's scary. Yeah. Um, so his handling of the battle with the Dark One led to danger. And this is this is about the dragon. His handling of the battle with the Dark One led to danger, destruction, and misery that took centuries to overcome. Much of the information and innovations of the time lost, leading to the moniker Age of Legends for what had passed and what had never been recovered. I, I know I say that, say this all the time, but this is one of the things within fantasy that I adore mm-hmm. when there's a big destructive moment and then everything has to kind of everything sets the clock a little bit backwards and everything becomes less advanced and harder for the people living there. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it comes up a lot in a lot of different novels, but it's just, I don't know, I live for it. Yeah, there, there are definitely series that I've read that have that kind of feel to it. And I've always, I've always really enjoyed that, like trying to see what fits where and what is going to go where. I love it. And so in the in the Wheel of Time series, <laughs> Jordan the Overachiever doesn't have like just one prophecy. There are so Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, we are just covering the prophecy of the dragon today, mm-hmm. but this is not the only prophecy. And I mean it's pages and pages long, but there's still more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. yeah. Overachiever, I think, is probably the best term here it's so i was just like you can't just do one you have to have like five of them like as, yeah. as if the first one wasn't confusing enough thanks it's it's cool but it's also the fact that like different cultures have different prophecies and they mostly seem to center on the same person but there's nothing nothing that has ever like in the prophecies as far as people know of there's nothing that's ever really said that that was going to be the same person. So, like, that's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm wondering is if, like, these cultures who have different names for the person who's going to be the savior slash destructor, if mm-hmm. they look at – if they think that they're all going to be the same person. Right, right. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure they they didn't get – you know, all the people that had these foretellings died at different times. Yeah. It's not like they could all get together and sit at a table and be like, well, you know. Exactly. I think this. <laughs> and then, you know, as all of these prophecies are written, then they're kind of compiled into this one, you know, book basically. Mm-hmm. And then as time goes on, other scholars can look at these texts mm-hmm. and try and decide for themselves. So – yeah. Yeah. It it mimics how, you know, in our own history, if you look at all of the different books of the Bible or something mm-hmm. and yeah, they they were all pretty much about the same guy, but they're taking examples from different perspectives mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. It, it's it can be it can be pretty confusing. And so, you know, even if it's not always about the same person. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times they're referencing the same events, yep. but maybe looking at it from a different perspective, which makes it also confusing. Yeah, yeah. 
And then specific people feel that their path is chosen for them because of their knowledge of said prophecy. Yep. So they interpret it one way and then they think, okay, well, this is exactly what I have to do. And I must fulfill my part in this prophecy by doing this. Mm-hmm. And then when they, you know, the prophecy is fulfilled, there is a common occurrence where uh, you could think, okay, well, maybe I'm the chosen one. (laughs) And, you know, which can lead this character who thinks they are the chosen one to their path, you know, their destiny or Mm -hmm. down a false trail. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, it's like a tree with many branches. It's just... It's huge. With a little bit of subterfuge thrown in to keep you on your toes. Mm -hmm. So within the Wheel of Time, the prophecy of the dragon is told through the Kraython cycle. As we've mentioned, like... There are other prophecies, but this seems to be the one that gets fo- focused on the most in the series. So we decided to like try to keep it as simple as possible and just kind of do one. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of overlap and whatnot, but we didn't want to make our brains explode. Um, so uh, it gives us pieces of information stemming from foretellings that tell us how we can identify him where he was born, the victories he will win, and the consequences of his actions upon the world and the people who live there. Um, And as mentioned earlier, he is said to save the world and break the world. So not only is he a savior, but an omen of bad things to come. (laughs) That just makes me feel... um, It it makes me feel for the characters in the book thinking like, oh, shit. Like, is this really what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like, it's much scarier Mm -hmm. when you think about it deeply than when you first read it. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about prophecy and foretelling last night. And, like, I was like, is there a difference? Are they the same thing? It's so – that's – I mean, that's so difficult. They're so very much entwined in each other that – it's, it's like the eye said eye symbol, the snake eating the head, yeah, you know, or yeah. the tail. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's exactly how it feels because I was like, well, I think foretellings lead to prophecies. Like, but anyway, um, it looks as though you cleaned this up for me. How nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just dropped the dictionary links for prophecy and foretelling in there. Oh. And you actually turned it into like a little a little paragraph. You're so good. <laughs> Why, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, this is the perk of having two people work no on kidding, the same right? document off and on. <laughs> Who share twin brain most of the time anyway. Yeah, we do. <laughs> it makes it perfect, seriously. You are um, the loose Theron in my head, Tracy. <laughs> I whisper things like, kill them, kill them now. (laughs) Kill them all, kill them now. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, the definition that I pulled was, prophecy is to speak or write with divine inspiration, to act as a prophet, while foretell is to predict, to tell the future before it occurs, to prophecy. So, Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, they're so intertwined. It's just, it's it's kind of one and the same. Yeah. At the same time, I kind of want to do a foretelling episode in the future for Elena. (laughs) (laughs) 
laugh. Oh my god, Elida's foretelling. She's my primary reason for wanting to do that. I'm not gonna lie. I, I love Elida because she is so easy to hate read. Right. <laughs> Just reading over her and being like, God damn, you fucking bitch. Hate you. Hate you. I won't get into it. Wanna go back and just read all of her point of views in order. Ooh, ooh, that would be fun. And would take a minute just to pull watch all the, books. the delusion spinning. Yes. Yes. Ooh, that sounds fun. Maybe maybe that's something that we need to turn into a series. Mm-hmm. A light of POV chapters. Um so it, even though these prophecies are designed to kind of prepare people to get ready for what's about to, to happen, um, they are actually banned in many of the nations of the Westlands. And, like, people just won't – they just mm-hmm. won't talk about it at all. Yeah, it's it's a very – it's very hush-hush in some places. Mm-hmm. And many characters approach the topic with hesitance because of, you know, how scary they really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you even have the Aes Sedai who are among the most strongest and, you know, powerful characters in the books. And mm-hmm. they have this cognitive dissidence over the matter. They don't want to believe that the prophecies will ever, ever uh, play out in their lifetime. Yep. And they're just kind of reluctant to see the signs, even when it's completely obvious to us, the readers. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, okay, this is happening, obviously. Right. And they're just like, la-da-da, you know, (laughs) like, I don't see anything. Yeah. So there is the fact that characters with the ability of foretelling the future have trouble interpreting what they see. So true. So it would be understandable when people get the prophecies wrong. Yeah. Even if it is clear to us. Mm-hmm. So And we grabbed just a few like passages that hopefully didn't do like any kind of spoilery stuff from the Creathon cycle, which <laughs> up until like actually writing that out, I had always thought it was the Creathon cycle. Cre- Carathon. Carathon cycle. Carathon. Carathon. I I feel like Carathon. I don't know. If anyone out there knows, let me know. Let us know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this is this is actually written from the prophecy. It says, And it shall come to pass that when men that what men made shall be shattered, and the shadow will let la- <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> These are hard. These are hard. Yeah, it's the. That's one of the things about prophecies. Is like they're not, they're not the way you think and speak normally. You know. Mm-hmm. So let's try this again. And it shall come to pass, which makes me think of the Bible. I can't. I don't know why. That's. I can't stop thinking of that right? this whole time. It's just, and I, I'm sure that that's like what we're supposed to be thinking about. Anyway, it shall come to pass that when men may that what <laughs> I can do Sorry. This. I can do this. It's okay. <laughs> Usually I read so well. It shall come to pass that what men made shall be shattered, and the shadow shall lie across the pattern of the age, and the dark one shall once more lay his hand upon the world of man. Women shall weep and men quail as the nations of the earth are rent like rotting cloth. Neither shall anything stand or abide. 
And really, that's just the warning that bad shit's on the way. Yeah. Hey, guys. Yeah. The earth, the earth are rent like rotting cloth. Like, that's mm-hmm. a pretty, that's a pretty stark image in my head. It really is. I mean, but I mean, at the same time, it's okay because this story <laughs> includes a chosen one, but he's also going to be utterly terrifying. So, yay, you're saved. Oh, fuck, you're screwed. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all you I can't can just have of. it one way. You huh. can't just have it one way. No. Would you like to try reading this since I like stumbled four times sure. over the last one? So, and he shows, <laughs> and he who shall be born of the dawn, born of the maidens according to prophecy, he shall stretch forth his hands to catch the shadow, and the world shall scream in the pain of salvation. All glory be to the Creator and to the light. And to he who shall be born again, may the light save us from him. So that's like, that's terrifying. It really is. And it really does. I hate it. (laughs) Right? It's like, all hail this person. Who's going to fucking destroy you? Everything. Yeah. How are you supposed to get excited about that? Mm. Like, yeah. And the prophecies go on four pages, you know. Pages. Yeah. And they are. Vague. Vague. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, one of the reasons that the prophecies can be tedious is because of how often they are used within the fantasy genre. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it is really, really hard to pick up a fantasy novel and a prophecy comes up and you – for the most part, I think if you have read a few different books mm-hmm. in the fantasy world, you can kind of see things that cross over where you can say, oh, okay, that kind of reminds me of this, mm-hmm. or this has happened to this character over here. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of tropes within the <laughs> prophecy world. Yeah, there are. I think one of the main ones, the main questions that get gets brought up within the wheel of time and we've talked about this is Mm -hmm. the question of free will and how much of this world is ruled by fate as foretold in the prophecies so Mm -hmm. you know how much of it is this or how much of it is that Mm -hmm. do our characters have to follow their prophecy are Mm -hmm. they you know or are they allowed to kind of go off that path yeah make it what are the consequences yeah yeah yeah, I always find it tedious reading a book and being like, oh, I get where you're going with this almost immediately. Like, I don't mm-hmm. like the plot devices to be so, like, in your face that you can't read through it. But I think Jordan does a really good job about it. But he still has, like, there are still tropes in his book. It's just unreliable. Oh, yeah. I don't oh, yeah. think you can, <laughs> you can get away from that one. Um, and we found we found this really good website that it was all about tropes. And I think we actually each found it separately. But yeah, when it, we were talking about tropes, Tracy was like, look at this website. And I was like, I'm already looking at it. <laughs> and we had both highlighted the exact same one. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pretty big, you know, flashing neon light. If we separately on our own both came to this one trope and we were like, this is the wheel of mm-hmm. time. Yep. <laughs> the dragon reborn prophecy. Yep. And on this one, it's uh, the sliding scale of free will versus fate. And 
I think this actually comes from the website. Like, I think this is what they wrote about the Wheel of Time. And it says, the Wheel of Time weaves how people live and what they do. And and although there are people, Tavaran, around whom the wheel weaves, even they don't have anything to say in their own lives. Because, in bold, you can't fight faith. Uh, The entire series is weird in regards to how much power the wheel actually has. On the one hand, you have the main characters who who are constantly struggling with why he or she fights. A dragon trying to convert him and the only... This actually, this section here doesn't make sense. The dragon trying to convert him and only recently finding that motivation during his attempted destruction of the world... Then you have cases like Varen, who was completely unable to use her magic properly because the wheel wanted her in a specific spot. Okay, so whoever wrote this within this website over the tropes, I don't know if I agree with it, but Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. Or if it completely makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But that's what happens when you copy and paste and you don't read fully. It's fine. It's fine. But, I mean, it is really obvious where you have the situation that you can't fight fate. Mm -hmm. So, And then for the you can't fight fate, I think this, again, comes from that website. Um, Explicitly the case in the Wheel of Time, several events that occur occur because they are in the pattern woven by the wheel. The power trio in particular cause people to take their fated roles in prophecy and conversely have their own actions dictated by the pattern at many points. And I do feel as though those are things that we see constantly Mm -hmm. throughout the series is like prophecy is... And as much as some of these characters want to get away, Mm -hmm. they can't. They can't. There's almost something inside of them where they're like, it it makes them almost physically sick Mm -hmm. to go against what they're feeling at that moment. And we've seen it with some characters where they're like, I just got to get out of here, but I can't. I can't. And and it doesn't really explain why they can't, but mm-hmm. they just deep within them, they're like, I know I can't do it. Yep. And yeah, that's a, I mean, <laughs> this is, I think, maybe one of the little flaws I would see within the book because l- let's face it, there's so much information here and you can't have everything be perfect all the time. Right. But you have to have this device keeping some characters on a course of action. Yep. And sometimes why does this person have to go do this? Because the prophecy said so. Okay, and then they're off. And then off they go. All <laughs> yeah. right. But yeah, I mean, the Wheel of Time does fall victim to some of the fantasy tropes. Mm. There's, you know, a chosen one, a superior, like, fighting force yep. that fights to, you know, die for humanity. Why? Because the prophecy says so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's one called the chronoscope trope. <laughs> didn't realize how silly that sounds out loud um but that's where like future or past events can be magically viewed and lead characters on a path of the plot yeah so this completely reminded me of ruidion where oh we see this and this happened in the past or maybe this happened in the future Mm -hmm. and we have to go do this because they say so yeah 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 Um, the next one, (laughs) I'll wait till later for that one. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So I think, what do we have next oh, here? Yeah. So I, I actually remember writing this one. Okay. <laughs> uh, so one of my favorite things about the prophecies in this series is that Jordan even included scholarly critiques and interpretations of the prophecies. Like, he so didn't good. just make a prophecy. He made up, like, feedback for them. <laughs> for the prophecies. Right. So he wrote these prophecies, and then he had characters <laughs> within the books critiquing these prophecies. Right, and interpreting them and writing books about them, mm-hmm. which other characters sit and read. And I'm just Who like, oh. has the time for this, Robert <laughs> Jordan? How on earth? How? I, I just don't. I Can you imagine know. writing these massive novels and then just be like, oh, you know what? I think I want to work on this for probably a month. Like, <laughs> invented characters critiquing your own right. prophecy. Exactly. It's wow. My little brain. So one of the books mentioned um, is The Commentary on the Dragon by... I would, I would Sagius? I, I want to say Sajui. <laughs> You're sad. looking at it with that French, with French yeah. perspective. <laughs> and then I wrote after that, whoever the fuck that is, but that's so Wheel of Time. It's written like, of course, that's it's this guy. Everyone knows that guy. Yeah. But I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no. But we will we will actually come back to that once we go into spoilers. I didn't really want to include it here. I just wanted to mention, like, this is one of the, the most well-known ones. But then there's also commentary that was written in a way that mimicked the style of the prophecies themselves. So even though it's not prophecy, it's written in a way that looks like prophecy. I just yeah. said the same thing twice. The sh- <laughs> and this was one that I really liked it because it does have that like that prophecy feel to it. It says the shadow shall rise across the world and darken every land, even to the smallest corner. And there shall be neither light nor safety. And he who shall be born of the dawn, born of the maiden, according to the prophecy, he shall stretch forth his hand to catch the shadow and the world shall scream in pain of salvation. All glory be to the creator and to the light and to he who shall be born again. May the light save us from him. And I mean, that's even just really similar to the one that we read earlier. But this is like it says these are commentaries on the Krathon cycle. Uh, there's a name here that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Cause Serene no one... de Shamela Mortara. Ooh, you did or something. so well. You did so well. <laughs> But she's a council sister to Comel, High Queen of Jeremiah, circa 325 AB, the Third Age. So I don't really know what all of that stuff means, but it again just like slams you in the face that Jordan mm-hmm. thinks of everything. He thinks of yeah. everything. Like this isn't just some random person. She's like the the counselor or something to a High Queen, even. So he's mm-hmm. creating two different characters. Like yeah. You blow my mind, Robert Jordan, and I love it. Yeah, it's really intense. Mm -hmm. And something that's really interesting, I think, about the way that these prophecies are written is a lot of the times when you get into prologues of Mm -hmm. the books, you'll get these kind of like prophetic 
excerpts kind of inserted in there and it's almost like Robert Jordan like do you know the difference between a <laughs> prologue a prophecy or a novella I have no idea because it is just uh, it, it's so much information and if mm-hmm. and if you are like me I'm one of the people where once someone starts talking in this kind of sing-songy the shadow shall rise across the world and darken yeah. every land. And I'm just kind of like snore. Let's yes. get to the let's get to the action, <laughs> baby. I'm ready for it. I but, am the exact same way. Like anytime I, like that happens, I'm just like, I just want to get I just want to get to the good parts. Like this stuff all happened before. I know it's driving in the story. Don't care. What the fuck is going on with the queen right now? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you're left, you know, on your toes waiting mm-hmm. on something crazy that just happened in the previous chapter and you're like you're so ready to get back into it and then you have to go through who knows, maybe 30 pages mm-hmm. of random stuff and it's just <laughs> or it a new character a chapter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could be like a new character, a plot line that has been going on for 3 books. <laughs> Um, a prophecy that you've kind of heard already multiple times, but maybe just from the eyes or the mouth of a different character. So mm-hmm. it can be really hard to keep everything straight. Oh, absolutely. And maybe that was intentional. Maybe he was just, you know, like, LOLing us. Like, <laughs> haha. Like, you sad, Someone out there is going to read all of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, he was trolling us. Like, I'm going to get all of these people to read pages and pages of some fever dream that I had when I was in Catholic Bible studies. (laughs) This seems plausible. I am, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So But unless there was anything you wanted to add to this part, I think we will take our little break Mm. and finish up our spoiler free section and then afterwards get into the other stuff (laughs) spoiler territory and i'm really excited about it okay i'm good with break time okay cool so we are getting back to our spoilery spoilery section spoilery Um, and i don't know it it kind of just seems to happen that when we pop back from our break we kind of go into the tv show we did it with laris and now Mm -hmm. we're doing it again but it's a good flow yeah i think for me the the big question in regards to the prophecies of the dragon is will the show keep it get rid of it or alter it in some type of way Mm -hmm. and i tend to think that the prophecy of the dragon is pretty dang obvious. <laughs> I mean, I never doubted that Rand is the one. Right, so yeah. So from the moment we get Tam's fever dream and Rand kind of has his doubts about his ancestry, it was mm-hmm. pretty easy to see. Mm-hmm. And the story starts with Rand. So it's, you know, he's the one that we're first with so he seems pretty important. Mm-hmm. So it's not a mystery. And I don't think it was supposed to be a huge mystery. Yeah. Um, I think this is something that the show could maybe explore a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't mind if it starts out being a little less Rand-centric. <clears throat> yeah. 
Um, and then, you know, multiple times throughout the books, we hear about false dragons. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't it be kind of awesome to leave new viewers, people that haven't read the books, kind of like guessing? Yeah. So, I mean, if the show makes the prophecies a little bit more vague or leaves pieces out, so it's not like this flashing sign above Rand, like, he's the one, <laughs> he's the one. Then we can question the other characters. You know, mm -hmm. there's Matt yelling in the old tongue, and that might allow us to see him as a question mark. And mm -hmm. then Perrin can talk to wolves. So that would give people something to think about. Mm -hmm. And Those are good points. Uh, yeah, and I think something that we might be able to expect is a little bit more with Loghain, mm -hmm. who he's, you know, he's one of my favorite characters. And I think pushing him a little bit more in the forefront could be really interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, and oh, I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say when we were talking earlier about um, like the prophecy tropes and mm -hmm. I was thinking about how false dragons fit into that really yeah. well because mm -hmm. they'll see something and they're like, oh, hey, Maybe it's me. Maybe right. I'm the guy. And, mm -hmm. I mean, we find out, you know, they're not, but they think that they are. Right. And they feel like a few things that they do may fulfill prophecy. And, of course, it's been, like, 3,000 years since these prophecies have been written. So why couldn't it be about them? Like, right. is it all set in stone? So it was really hard not to be like, yeah, false dragons when we were talking about <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, and it's, I mean... If you think about the TV show, like how much fun would that be if you had no idea mm -hmm. about the books and you get this character where he's, you know, this very powerful male channeler. And, yep. And I mean, we we do know that, you know, with Rafe Judkins, he's done his Q&As online. We know there's going to be major changes, mm -hmm. and we know that Loghain will have a bigger role in the story. Yes! So, yeah, Sorry. so personally, <laughs> I like to see the prophecies used as a device to confuse and create more twists and turns. Definitely. If a viewer just happens to Google the prophecy or stumbles upon mm. it on the internet, it is very, very clear, and it's a major spoiler. So, yeah. you know... Why not have a little fun with it? Lead mm -hmm. us down some false paths and let's do that. Yeah. And I mean, another cool thing about Loghain is when we very like first see him, mm -hmm. he's all mm -hmm. caged up yep. and being paraded through Andor. And that's such an incredible moment. It's mm -hmm. There's so much foreshadowing because he's feeling the presence of another male channeler. Mm -hmm. At the same time, he's locked up as, you know... <laughs> they're like oh well he thinks he's the dragon reborn yeah. so we gotta take him haul him off to the white tower or whatever yep and it's just a really it's kind of a sad moment but it's also like this is what happens in this world and it's mm -hmm. that harsh reality yep so there's and Loghain, a lot Loghain in that moment like he is defiant and I really oh. like that about him, that even though he's like mm -hmm. in this position where he is shielded and there's no escape for him possible. And when he sees Rand, doesn't he like laugh? He's like hysterical. Yeah. Like, he's, he's yeah. like, check that guy out. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have no idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
I just it's I, crazy. It's one of those scenes that's really early in the book that I don't necessarily feel as though I appreciated fully the first time I read it. And now each time I read it, like I'm just like, yeah, okay. I'm sorry yeah. there's some shit that's gonna go wrong for you, but there's some shit that's gonna go really right for you. So He's one of those characters that I just want to cheer on so much. Me too. And the actor that plays him, I guess, I, I can't remember the exact wording or something, but I guess Rafe Judkins said like when he saw his performance or something, he was just like, that's the one, that's the guy. Has like, this person been announced? It. Yeah. It's Alvierto Mortson or something. He's, he's a Spanish actor. I'm looking it up. Baro Morte. Oh, there we go. He's like super handsome too. Good. I see him as a low gain. I do. Because I mean, I think like in my head, ooh, okay. I'm down for this guy as low gain. Wow, good choice. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, there's. There's a lot of sorrow to his story. Absolutely. And this is kind of that first, I don't know, one of the first moments you really get a feel for, like, what the Red Aja is all about. True. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, exposition going on that you would almost miss that moment where he's laughing and stuff because there's a lot, you know? Yeah. And I mean, we, at that point, we still are not 100% confirmed that Rand can channel. Like, mm-hmm. as a reader, you have a yes. pretty good idea of what's going on, but you don't have it confirmed. And he mm-hmm. certainly is not thinking that that is what is happening to him. But to see that, I mean, in some ways, it's almost, it almost makes me think of when he gets captured later on by the Aes Sedai. And, yeah. like, he saw what happened to Loghain very early on even more foreshadowing exactly and so now he goes through this horrible experience with the Aes Sedai even worse than what Loghain was put through and it was almost like yeah total foreshadowing the reds are are coming for you and Mm -hmm. he just doesn't know that at that time he's seeing what could potentially be his future but I'm sure it like stuck with him especially after Mm -hmm. he found out like that's not the fate that he wants to have so yeah, I guess my only question is how would they be able to, I guess, maneuver the prophecy in a way that would make things more of a question mark? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they could they could leave. I mean, we don't – it's not like the prophecy is there, like, given to us in full, like, first paragraph. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, we get – clips of it Mm -hmm. as we go on so and i don't think there's i don't think there's anything in the novels that has like in one place the full prophecy right any particular i mean maybe it's in the companion but i'm a research failure and did not even open the wheel of time companion for this i was like "Eh, the internet works for me on this one i'm i mean i looked at a few books i have like just a few things to read from from the novels themselves that I thought were kind of fun. But, yeah, it was just like, yeah, maybe it's so, in there. Right. So it's just, I mean, it's, we know there's going to be changes made with the show. I think that 
with the amount of really talented people working on it, they could they could spin something up pretty interesting with the prophecies. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Which, yeah. I mean, totally off topic, do you think uh, Rosamund Pike is going to be brunette or blonde? I think she's going to be brunette. Yeah. I think I saw a picture of her on set and she had That's dark exciting. hair. She's in, she's in an Amazon Prime original movie right now on Ooh. Marie Curie, and she's playing Marie Curie. I have to watch <laughs> I that. I saw that. I saw I, that. Did you watch it? No, I haven't yet. I've... I've been, um, I finished all of the Brandon Sanderson, the first era, the three Mistborn books while we were kind of on break and I've been watching The Expanse. Of course. And yeah, now I'm, now I've got some time, definitely, but that, that would be good. She's Mm -hmm. great. She's Yeah. I'm, I, I really haven't seen her in anything, but the preview was enough to make me want to watch it like she's very compelling so I'm I am super excited to see her performance yeah she is the strong like female lead Mm -hmm. you know yeah (laughs) and I feel like you don't really need to do a whole lot to make her look ageless you know right like she already has like that really Mm -hmm. classic feature to her Mm -hmm. and she's very youthful I have no idea how old she is no neither is helpful because that's kind of Mm -hmm. what the ageless thing is is like you could be 20 or 40 and instead, you're 230. Um, right. Let's get back to the prophecies. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I got distracted. The Curithon um, cycle. <laughs> yeah. So there are 83 notations about the Curithon cycle listed on the wiki page. And um, that's a lot of fucking notations. And I really yeah. did try. Like, I, I sent you that picture. I pulled out all of my Wheel of Time books. I was like, I'm going to go through these notations and I'm going to see where they are in the books. And I maybe yeah. got like not even halfway through it. And I was like, this See, is the problem much. is though, if we were to do that, we would be talking for five hours. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I just, I don't have time to go through all of these. This is ridiculous. But well done to people yeah. who have like put yeah. all this shit together. Holy shit. It's impressive. Yeah. And for listeners, like if this is something that really interests you, you know that all of the info is there. So it totally is. It is if this online. Is, if, yeah. If the prophecies are something that calls to you, then. Yeah, you've got a wealth of knowledge oh my God. there. Yes. So there's there's a bunch of information out there about this. There are, are uh, like those notations will tell you where you can find stuff in the books, and that's super helpful. Uh, but then we also kind of wanted to talk about the prophecies of the dragon in relation to other main characters, mm-hmm. um, because things can be so ran centric, and yeah. that I mean that's cool and all, but. There are so many other really likable characters, but the first real mention of like the possibility of there being a foretell or like something going on is an eye of the world and Tam's fever rambling. And I think you yes. mentioned that earlier too. Yes. Um, so we have that, but then <laughs> do you like, do you like my new copy? Yes, it's so pretty. It's so pretty. Even with Tracy a cover. is modeling off this Eye of the World hardback. And it's the 30th <laughs> anniversary edition. You're like Vanna White with the prize, you know? Except Vanna doesn't hug and kiss the things she's showing off, as I'm about to do. Um, 
my husband and I went on a date night when we were in Charleston and we found this um this darling little bookstore and when we walked inside we kind of looked around and then on this shelf were these like Robert Jordan books and I was like (gasps) (laughs) and I was like we're just getting that one I love you yeah it was fun but I mean my husband's now a Wheel of Time fan so he had no problems getting the really awesome I mean it even has one of those little like ribbon bookmarks oh it's so fucking classy. I love it. It's a beast. It is. It's it's really, but it feels, it feels really luxurious. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mean, for anybody who's a book lover, like holding something big and solid, and it looks like you could beat someone with that, like down. <laughs> if there's ever <laughs> a break in I mean? from in my house, I'm heading for my <laughs> Wheel of Time collection. Cause of death, legend with eye of the world. <laughs> it was Tracy in the bedroom with the book. <laughs> No one thought it was possible. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I I really did not get very far in these notations, but I I really liked this little section here. It's in Eye of the World. I think it's chapter 13, Choices. Um, But this is like right after our Emmons Field folk and Moraine and Lan have come to, I think they're in Barillon at this point. I don't think they've gotten to Camelot yet. Um, is that right before the right before the um, Drakkar attack? Possibly, <laughs> I think they leave Berlan and then there's like, oh, what's is this there? crazy thing flying around? <laughs> I honestly don't remember, which is so sad because I really did not read this book. Too lands long like, ago. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go. Guys. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. You know, those well. moments happen so often throughout it that you could also be right. So. Mm-hmm. Either way, I love things with Drakars because they're just so creepy. Anyway, so they're they're walking through the town, and Rand decides to like walk up to Tom, and he says, "Tom, what was all that about Tyr and the people of the Dragon? Tyr is a city all the way down on the Sea of Storms, isn't it?" The Carathon cycle, Tom said curtly. Rand blinked. The prophecies of the Dragon. Nobody tells the. Those stories in the two rivers, not in Emmonsfield anyway. The wisdom, the wisdom would skin them alive if they did. Um, and like, there's a little bit more to this where it talks about like the sword that can't cannot be touched. But the mm-hmm. part that like I really zeroed in on was the Rand saying that Nynaeve would skin them alive if anybody yes. was talking about it, mm-hmm. and that's just so mind blowing because obviously people are talking about it, like, right. Even if it's just whispers, like, behind, mm-hmm. like, people know about these prophecies in one way or another. Right. And um, Padon Fane, when he comes in, isn't he just like, oh, there's speak of a man channeling, uh, mm-hmm. you know? And that's how we're kind of introduced to male channelers. But, mm-hmm. th- yeah, and as being a lot of foretelling of and a lot of... Uh, kind of walking around <laughs> the prophecy <laughs> of the dragon without quoting it directly, really. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, then Tom like goes in and says like the thing about Kalendor, but it's just him retelling it. It's not really like writings from the prophecy. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought that I I really liked that, and I liked that it was at the beginning. Um, 
because right now, like, I'm on book 13 and we've read New Spring and going back and reading things like that right now, mm-hmm. it's just like all of these little synapses in my brain are firing away thinking yes. about all of this new information that I have that I can take back to the beginning of the books. So I can't wait for a reread. I'm actually really <laughs> excited it's to fun. get to that. But we've Me got other too. shit to do before we do that. So then, uh, let's see here. This doesn't really have like a relation to a main character, so should we keep this here or should I jump down to like Min's? Like so it's is, are you talking about there can be no health in us mm-hmm. nor any good thing? Okay, I like this. Can I read you it? You do? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. I love this means. part. Good. There can be no health in us nor any good thing grow, for the land is one with the dragon reborn and he is one with the land. Mm-hmm. And I really like what you pulled from this. Mm. Um, it's I think for me this is one of the sections in the books that felt really real. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about how if a nation is fractured or war torn or we've got this kind of like book of revelations apocalypse type type feel to things yeah. when all of the food starts spoiling that's you're when like, it feels oh shit yeah. like things are not going good and that's nope. always such a real issue that has happened throughout time mhm so yeah. i think for you to say you know what did you have here at the t- ran at the time of the 12th book and how all the food is spoiling and the wine is going bad because he's poisoning himself from within by thinking that he needs to be hard and emotionless in order to do what he need what needs done to fight the last battle. But that can't happen until he heals himself from within and the people in the land as well. <laughs> this was my note. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you do. I I think it's and I mean this is kind of actually for the next section too, but I think it's always kind of obvious what book I'm reading when I'm writing my notes because I'm like, oh, this part right here, this ties directly into what we're talking right. about. Um, well, yeah, but it's such a, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought of that even going through because I mean, yeah, he's, like you said, he's poisoning himself from within mm-hmm. and I would have never even put the two things together. I yeah. just kind of looked at it as like, this is the harsh reality of what they're living through and you know Robert Jordan wanted things to show like how bad it's gotten Mm -hmm. you know yeah and like how far Rand has to remove himself from his humanity to Mm -hmm. succeed and what I what I really love because of course like I've I've finished book 12 and I'm on book 13 and I had to wait for book 13 and I did not like it at all (laughs) I know it gave me a chance to read another book and I'm really into that one too but book 13 is in so I'm good to go but like at the end of book 12 when Rand has that moment on Dragon Mount where he's like 
asking himself. Yeah, like he's asking himself all these (laughs) questions. He reminds me that visual scene is like a book that I had to read when I was in a psychology class in college. (laughs) And it was this book, like, what does it all mean? And it's like a guy sitting like the thinker, you know, like pondering. And that's how I picture Rand like up on Dragon Mount with his fist under his chin. Like, what does it all mean? Yeah, but then like he comes out of it and that that like opening chapter where he's walking through the the orchard and the so trees good. just like become overly Bountiful. abundant. Yeah, yeah, it's just like yes, get it. It's not about like pushing yourself away from the people that you love. And I think mm-hmm. that's like a good thing to know for us in life as well, like not just in, you know, fictional scenarios we as people benefit when we look at each other through eyes of love instead of eyes of emotionless it's hatred such a, it's i mean i'll say this again later but it's such it has like a biblical feel to it like Absolutely. jesus creating like many fish out of you know and many loaves of bread and yeah and water to wine and or he's even... just kind of like walking and everything's like almost blooming around him yeah like so I, cool i feel like I, I feel like that's a moment I really want to see in the show is like just Rand coming down from the slopes of Dragon Mount and like everything just kind of going green and lush around yes. him. But then, of course, like kind of fading, you know, as shortly he's, as yeah. he's walking away because like he can only do so much like the dark mm-hmm. one is touching the world very strongly at that point. But I really want to see that that like miraculous Mm -hmm. moment you know that's what it feels like to me um but then of course because i'm reading the 12th book uh min's relation to the prophecies so at some point i don't remember which book it's in but it's after rand has built the school in kyrian and she's talking with Herod Fell and she's getting all these books and things and she's reading philosophy but then she turns to the prophecies mm-hmm. because she thinks that that's the only way she can help Rand um, yeah and- she's in her kind of like student phase where she's yeah. like in the books <laughs> she feels I, I love this very scholarly aspect that they've given to her and how often you read about men sitting in a book reading or sitting mm-hmm. sitting in a book I would sit in a book but sitting <laughs> <laughs> sitting in a chair reading a book like that just I don't know it just feels she's almost always kind of just curled up like knees at her chest you know like yeah just- but she's She's also so feisty and ready to fight, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, I feel like men can jump from, like, reading a book to twirling a dagger, you know? (laughs) Like, that's... I I really... Min's one of my favorite characters. Maybe since the actor that plays Min, I've seen videos of her, like, doing some... Some type of, like, martial arts Mm -hmm. training and stuff. Maybe we'll get, you know, like, Min bludgeoning someone to death with a book. (laughs) (laughs) Make my dreams come true. <laughs> I think that's a brilliant idea. And if they don't use that, they're wrong. <laughs> uh, that's good. So at this point, like, Min and Elaine and Avienda have bonded rant. So they can all, like, feel what's happening mm-hmm. back and forth between the two of them. And she knows, like, Min knows right now that he is super fucked up. And she sees that... Like, if she can figure out something in the prophecies, maybe it will help him. And she loves him, so of course she wants to help him. But she's hanging out with Cad Swain and a handful of other 
Aes Sedai and she's reading um, she's reading the commentaries that we mentioned earlier from Sajui Sajui <laughs> Sajui it's it does have like a really nice kind of French sound to it doesn't it like when mm-hmm. you say it that way but I like the way that you said it too because then it sounds like Roman emperorship yeah yeah Sagius yeah. <laughs> Copernicus <laughs> So Sajui is the author of the, the the book, The Commentary of the Dragon, which contains the line, he shall hold a blade of light in his hands and the three shall be one. And he believed it referred to a unification of three kingdoms, but Min and Katswain believes that it potentially refers to Kalendor. Um, and I was going to read a passage from this, but I feel like I just summed it up really well, so I don't know if I need yeah. to. Um and I do like how this is one of the moments from the prophecy that leads people on different paths. So yes. the interpretations are different. And for the reader, we can kind of, um, you know, we can kind of see things from both perspectives and we have to we have to guess, you mm-hmm. know, what I what I actually really liked about this section is when <laughs> Min sitting there with these Aes Sedai and she says this is wrong and like one of the Aes Sedai is like, like yeah. I mean she sniffs softly you know but it's the same thing as like kind of like smacking your forehead or something mm-hmm. at like what she sees as a child trying to interpret these things and Kat's way and like kind of puts the other Aes Sedai in her place and then agrees with Min that the interpretation from this commentary is wrong and again like you said this is what brings Kalendor out to play in a different way that will be very effective in the novels later so good job Min for reading the prophecies because I wouldn't do it (laughs) (laughs) or I would have to have a damn good reason I suppose Mm -hmm. like if I had to do it and it meant that I would save Andrew's life I'd do it right I get it good job Min so proud of her Mm -hmm. anyway (laughs) <laughs> have we talked about Moraine and Swan enough? Do you think? No, never. No. <laughs> Love them dearly. No kidding, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're really pushed by the prophecies. Like, yeah. I feel as though their situation really combines foretelling and prophecy in the most fluid way we see in the novels. Like, that's my opinion. Yes. And, I mean, when we're talking about the prophecies, our introduction into New Spring is guitarist foretelling. And, you know, it's another one of those tropes, like this Mm -hmm. almost like fainting, you know. Seer? For seer. Seer, yeah. Yeah. Where she's just like, this is what's going to happen. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then just, like, tumbles over dead. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... This is how New Spring starts. It's how it's one of our first, you know, well, I guess if you're going in chronological order, it's the first prophecy or foretelling. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty important. But yeah, Moraine and Swan's life is completely set into motion by this foretelling and Mm -hmm. their involvement within the prophecy of the dragon is probably one of the most important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it ends up putting them on the path that helps them to find Rand 
after all of the other Seekers have been taken out by the Black Aja. So if if they had not been there, things could have gone very differently. Um, And had they not been felt pulled to uh, follow up on the prophecies to like actually see them as truth and as potentially unfolding in their lifetime, like they could have just been like, you know what? Someone else will take it. We're fine. But they like, they took it really seriously. And I, I love them for that among other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if we're talking about other people, we've talked about some of the good characters that are, (laughs) you know, a part of these prophecies. But the Black Aja is also really important because, you know, obviously New Spring again, but (laughs) and another callback to our trope talk. Mm -hmm. But there's this one trope called Nice Job Breaking It, Herod. And it's probably (laughs) one of my favorites in relation to the Wheel of Time because... It's talking about King Herod and the massacre of all the boys in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when the bad guys learn that there is a chosen one and he's been born, they set out to kill the child and subvert destiny. And mm-hmm. that is so the Black Aja. Totally. I mean, that's the vileness. They mm-hmm. started genocide. And it all leads back because of the prophecy of the dragon. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a huge, I mean... I don't know. I think th- I think this is one of, even though they're the bad guys, it's one of the most intriguing mm-hmm. parts. But- yeah. The Black Aja always intrigues me. Mm-hmm. They just, I'm a Black Aja hunter. I want to mm-hmm. know, I want to know all the things about them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then I guess another group of people that is very impactful part of the prophecy is the Aiel. And, mm-hmm. you know. The prophecy of the dragon says, The stone of Tyr will never fall till Kalendor is wielded by the dragon's hand. The stone of Tyr will never fall till the people of the dragon come. And again, this feels very biblical in a way mm-hmm. that prophecy commands, you know, a race of people to make an exodus. And even, yep. you know, the book of Exodus in the Bible or in the Torah, there's mm-hmm. the story of the Israelites' departure from Egypt. Yep. And it's a really good example of how prophecy and fantasy can be rooted in our own histories or myths. Absolutely. And there's a parallel with the themes of, you know, leaving land and making a journey far away to complete the prophecy. And yep. The great hardships for the Aiel in agreeing to leave. That's, you know... Yeah. Because I believe stuff. I believe for them, they have like part of their prophecy is like only a remnant of a remnant will he save. And so mm-hmm. it's not even just that they are leaving. leaving. It's, it's that they're it leaving. fractures their people. Yeah, they're leaving for their deaths. Like there's mm-hmm. a very good. And I mean, the way that the I look at death, I don't really think that they care that much and they don't really think about it that way. But like. Well, it I is almost that way for them. I saw it as death and as them they will no longer be Aiel anymore after mm. all of their clans have separated and moved on, you know, with the dragon's peace, they all have a new job, they all have a new way of life. Yeah. So it essentially even if they aren't actually like literally dying, mm-hmm. their way of life is over. Mm-hmm. So it is a death in a way. Oh, but, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, and then knowing, like, 
knowing they'll be fractured and all of that, they're essentially this chosen people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're told you have to go blindly follow this guy who's mm-hmm. going to be your prophet. And in this case, Rand is not his best self, like as mm-hmm. you mentioned previously. Mm-hmm. I can imagine how terrifying it would be watching this young man like muttering to himself and doing right. all of these strange things. Yep. At one point, he props up a bunch of dead bodies like puppets and he's talking to them. And, you know, can you imagine being like, that's the guy we have to go follow? Yeah. And just yeah. blindly doing it. And the way that he like, will go and leave the maidens behind after telling them that yes. he will take them them with him like he's told them like he tells them that he'll do it and then he doesn't do it and then that cycle repeats over and over again and for a people who follow duty and honor that has to really sting Mm-hmm. To be like, yeah, I'll do this, but then I won't. So how do you trust someone who doesn't keep their word fully? Right. And I mean, it's... which is why they end up beating him at some point. And I think he fully <laughs> deserved that, Rand. Yes. Stop. <laughs> why would you not want a group of badass trained women <laughs> at your back who are 100% willing to die for you at any given moment? Like, I understand he has this thing about not wanting women to die and blah, blah, blah. And I get it. And that's cool. But... That's what these women do. Mm-hmm. They're fucking warriors for life until they choose not to be. Right. Shut up, Rand. He's Take taking a, with yeah, you. he's taking away their choice. Exactly. And, and it it really like it angers them multiple <laughs> times and it just I I can only imagine how infuriating this was for the wise ones and the chiefs and things about like Rand doesn't know their ways and even though Avienda was supposed to be teaching him he was like oh forsaken like I, when I get I, it when I first started reading the books I was like okay I know this came out before Game of Thrones and I almost feel like George R.R. R. Martin read this and was like you know nothing Jon Snow and just totally <laughs> was like Egret is the new Avienda and Jon Snow is the new Rand Althor <laughs> yes Avienda's just like, I'm going to smack this fool. He doesn't listen. I hate him, but I love him, but I hate him. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just fucking listen? (laughs) Yeah. But okay. So, I mean, back to to the Aeol. Yeah. It's their their part in the prophecy of the dragon is completely rooted in blind faith. Yeah. And Jordan's take on prophecy can very much feel like Bible study almost Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But where some prophecies are misleading to create a big twist or an unexpected ending, Mm -hmm. these, these almost sometimes feel like a list that needs checked off. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And I think that might be one of the things that makes it hard for me. I like the twists and turns, but Mm -hmm. when I'm like, okay, he did this, check. Okay, they did that, check. Yeah. It's like, I don't want that, but... (laughs) Well, and it almost feels like that's the direction it's going to, especially in book three, where Mm. Rand is like off on his own and he's like if this is the way that prophecy is going to tell me to go then this is the way that I'm going and he's like laser focused on getting to tear Mm -hmm. and grabbing Kalendor but it's such like there are twists there are twists for sure but I I agree with you on the checking off the list like 
that was one of the things that he had to do. Checkmark. I did that. He felt mm-hmm. compelled to do that. And I think for that reason, to kind of be like, okay, that's that's off the list. Now we move on to the next thing. Right. So, yeah, I that's actually a really good way of looking at it. I like that a lot. Okay. So, which prophecy <laughs> fulfilled is your favorite of Rand's? Uh, I didn't choose one of Rand's. <laughs> I chose someone else's. <laughs> You're such a contrarian. I love it. <laughs> I tried. I feel. Ooh, ooh, I didn't read this. I I did chose a Rand, or I did choose. Chose? Mm-hmm. I picked a Rand moment. Mm-hmm. And I... I chose the part where he announces himself to the Aiel as the Karakan. That's a badass moment. <laughs> it really is. Like with with Kuladin there and shouting and yelling. And basically all Rand does is like undoes his sleeves and lifts up his arms and shows everybody. And everybody just is like. Check out the silent. tats on that guy. <laughs> Why do they match the other guys? Wait a mm-hmm. minute, Chief of Chiefs, we can't have two of those. But it's not it's not even just that announcement. It's the way that he like quietly tells the Aiel of what he's seen in the glass columns and what it does to them to have this news revealed. And then he makes it rain and there's all kinds of shit that happens afterwards and you're like, Oh my god. I will I love that when part. that if okay, if they have that part in the show, I will probably ball my eyes out right crazy it is (laughs) crazy and i mean that's his first that is his first strike at the aiel that's the Mm -hmm. first thing that binds them to him but also makes them split away from him Mm -hmm. and it's just it's so well written like instead of him coming up there and trying to shout cool it and down he just is like calm this is your history, and the mm-hmm. people who know it know it. Like the chiefs yeah. and the wise ones who already know it, they, they're like, "Yep, Dude. sorry, we, yeah, <laughs> we've been holding something back for a reason. We weren't supposed to say anything, but yeah, now yeah, it's why, the time. So yeah. now we move forward from this and hope for the best for our people. You know, yeah, it's like, oh shit, it's starting. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of my favorite moments. I feel the part like about the really... rain is just so cool, though. Right in a place in where desert, it doesn't yeah. rain, I that'll make for like cinematic masterpiece. Yes, <laughs> so cool. Yeah, the 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 geographical setting for that will be really neat to see how they create it. Like there's there's a channeling battle that happens in the midst of this revelation and this prophecy fulfillment that will be really fun to see. Like it's just, to me, it's a really, it's one of the more action packed. I mean, Kalendor was pretty significant as well, but this one I really liked. There's a lot of emotion. Mm -hmm. I think like, it's not like a big battle moment or something, but it's, you know, Mm -hmm. it makes your insides feel woozy. Like, (laughs) Whoa, what is going on? (laughs) Exactly. Yep. Like you feel the confusion and yes. the almost the horror that the Aiel mm-hmm. feel at this revelation. And the people who should know, like the chiefs and the wise ones, when Kuladin starts yelling and is like, that's not the history of the Aiel. Like mm-hmm. he's basically just told every wise one, every chief, 
he's not the guy. Brady's right. the guy. Right. And so it's just I I just love that that part and like the many ramifications that come about be- because of it. And I mean, that's what fulfilling prophecy does. It just like snowballs into the next thing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> my favorite parts in the book, truthfully. <laughs> yeah. I so, like this. I okay, like what you've, you've picked here. I'm excited. So mine, this is kind of like a two-parter because the next question is kind of like, how do we feel about the prophecies? Mm-hmm. And I picked this one because it, for me, it was, I think, some of the, one of the more enjoyable parts of prophecy to the books, but... Mm-hmm. I really love the inclusion of when the wolf king carries the hammer, thus are the final days known. When the fox marries the raven. <laughs> Your dog barked when I'm talking about the wolf king. I'm dying. <laughs> Should that we stays. leave it? <laughs> uh, when the sound, fox. Sound brought to you by Churro. Don't yeah. worry, he's still growling. <laughs> And when the fox marries the ravens and the trumpets of battle are blown. Uh, So, you know, because the prophecy isn't just all about brands and it's Mm -hmm. a break from more of the destruction and chaos of the prophecy. Yeah. It gives a very clear direction on who else we could be watching. Yeah, yeah. And Matt and Perrin, you know, they need to be there for these prophecies to Mm -hmm. work out. Yeah. And it makes their story important and lifts them kind of from a position of sidekicks to yep. more of a protagonist, maybe. I think so. Like, I, so, I like the fact that Rand isn't always the central focus. So I'm, right. I'm really glad that you picked this. Yeah. And I think this is what Jordan does so eloquently. We are mm-hmm. following so many different storylines. And we so can many. read from chapter to chapter and city to city and... Then, you know, the ending that Brandon Sanderson gives us with this, you know, huge world just kind of spinning and revolving around multiple characters while always giving them a wide arc, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we yeah. Do get, we do get random people that are thrown in there, but a lot of the times people that we think, oh, it's just going to be someone that sticks around for a chapter or two, mm-hmm. they have major growth. And by the end of the book, you're like, holy shit, I love that person. I'm so glad that they were included. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, you know, what Brandon Sanderson took on to finish tying all of those loose ends up is just, wow. Like, yep. <laughs> Jordan was weaving this, like, incredible, crazy world. And mm-hmm. for him to work that all out in the end, like, I have so much respect for that. Mm-hmm. And... You know, like I said, the prophecy that Jordan wrote, it kind of felt like a checklist at times, but it's kind of like a roadmap for Mm -hmm. Sanderson, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like he could always, we always had something to go look at and say, okay, well, we can kind of guess how things are going to end and how things will go. But yeah, it it had to have been just a huge task Mm -hmm. and the way that Robert Jordan created so many characters that all have a part in this prophecy, like, yeah. damn. Like, yeah. that's insane. Yep. It's insane. Yep. And I mean, I think... I the can't scale help is think, immense. Yeah, I can't help but think about the prophecy, or not the prophecies, but, like, the foretellings in particular with Guitara. And I know we've talked about Guitara several times. Um, but just the way that she pushed... 
Terengale where she needed to be, or Tigraine where she needed to be, and uh, Luke, uh, mm-hmm. Tigraine's brother, she pushed him where he needed to be. Is there anyone else that she like pushed in a in a specific direction? Because I mean, then she's the one who like has the foretelling in front of Moraine and well, Swan as well. Well, if it wouldn't have been for that, then Morghese wouldn't have taken the throne. Then Elaine wouldn't have taken the throne, and the prophecy wouldn't. I mean, it just was like a cascade effect, you know. Yeah. If it wouldn't have happened, it wouldn't have happened the way that it should have. So right. I I love that Guitara has like that huge role in what she does and how it like pushes things but i am i am totally with you on sanderson and how he wrapped up the series i haven't read anything that he's written that isn't part of the wheel of time you said that he you just finished reading some of his novels yeah and the crazy thing is the the books that i finished are like super prophecy driven (laughs) and yeah it's like It's been interesting because it's kind of still sitting in the back of my head. But the Mistborn books, yeah, there's it's got a lot to do with prophecy, and I'm I'm probably mildly ashamed that I didn't see the big twist at the end coming. And when I did see it, I was like, oh, geez, come on. (laughs) But it's it's a really interesting comparison when you're looking at the two series side by side. Obviously, Mistborn is tiny, tiny compared to The Wheel of Time. And it's just these first three books. But the way that the prophecy in these books are is more of like this misleading, twisty, turny road. Mm -hmm. And very cool. But it's nowhere near on the scale as big as Wheel of Time. Not I at was all. just I was wondering like how his style of writing in his own novels compare to him. I mean, I know this is totally off topic, but I'm just curious because I'm reading those last three books right now. I was talking to Cheyenne last night. We were texting a little bit on Discord and we were talking about it, but I feel like Mistborn almost feels a little bit like young author in a way. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's because some of the characters are really young mm-hmm. and dealing with like a lot of emotional trauma and maybe some like PTSD going on. Mm-hmm. So like despite it being kind of young feeling, there are really like deep, you know, feels <laughs> going on. <laughs> yeah. But um I think with how Sanderson finished up the Wheel of Time, I think he he brought more levity to it. Mm-hmm. Which, I agree. I mean, I I I don't think it's a bad thing or a good thing. It's just you can't completely one hundred percent change the way that you write. Mm-hmm. He had to have done something that came from him to be able to finish it you Mm -hmm. know it's just but I really appreciate how he finished it my god like I I I can't I can't imagine having someone like lining up stacks and stacks and stacks of Robert Jordan's notes in front of you and being like here you go have fun have fun that I would be so intimidated by that and right to, to be writing 
for an mm-hmm. audience that digs into the books as hard as they do feels like even more of a challenge because mm-hmm. I mean I I stayed away from the last few books because they were written by someone else for a while. <laughs> I was like yeah. It's not fully Robert Jordan. It's diluted Wheel of Time. <laughs> I don't know about that. Weird. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I seriously ended up loving the end of the series. I feel as though he breathes life into some of the characters that felt like they were getting kind of sluggish. A lot of I, people hate Matt after Branderson picked it up. And I know we've talked about it, but we both like him. <laughs> I do too. I'm like, I'm seriously shocked to hear that. Like, how could there's, you not? There's that moment. I don't know. I don't remember what book it is and or how far it is, but Matt has this like crazy convoluted plan where they're yes! going to sneak yes! in. I just read when, it. When I read that, I was like snorting. He had like pages of backstory that he had yeah. written out throughout yes. the night so that everybody had a story before they went in. It's so it funny. Was so good. And he's I oh. think I think one of the things he said was like there was a lot of good drama in those pages. And yeah. Like, Who are you? <laughs> yeah. So like I mean I can see people being like he doesn't feel the same. No, he doesn't feel the same, but it's I don't know. It, but at the same time he feels like a callback to early Matt. Yeah. Like Badger Matt. <laughs> yes. And I mean, but with a touch of maturity and responsibility that he's gathered as he's traveling, but he's still Matt. And mm-hmm. that's that's what I like about that part is that it feels it feels like Matt again. I feel like Matt was kind of like getting like humdrum, and like yeah. at this point, it's like yes, you're back to gambling. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're back to beating up toughs <laughs> in the alley. Like, yes, yeah. being snarky, <laughs> hell yeah, <laughs> king of snark. Love king of Matt. snark. <laughs> it's good. Awesome. Yeah. So should we? Yeah. Here. Yeah, where are we going next? <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we got a lastly, the Carathon cycle is one of the prophecies that we see in the series. It's only one of them. Mm-hmm. So we intend to do other prophecies that don't receive the same amount of attention later yeah. on. Yeah. So hopefully we- you didn't hate this and you'll listen to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> and if you did hate it, please let us know so we don't record the next one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't want to waste our time. It takes Mm-mm. a lot of time to like actually dig through and find this stuff. Like there's just so much material mm. out there that has spun off of this series. It is incredible. I am yeah. constantly amazed. Constantly. Mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend reading through the entire Currython cycle if it's something that interests you. But yeah. I kind of almost feel like it spoils a little bit of the mystery sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get to that feeling where it is like a check mark (laughs) yeah yeah or in some ways it feels kind of repetitive like it's mm -hmm. saying the same thing over and over again you're like okay i get the point it's gonna fucking suck i got it all right yeah savior destroyer Mm, cool and we and we didn't actually read over the whole prophecy to you because (laughs) you wouldn't like that but (laughs) we wouldn't like that (laughs) okay sorry um so i guess like we have our thoughts on yes yes we do this is okay like just to kind of spitball ideas i guess Mm -hmm. um 
I really do feel like the prophecies within Wheel of Time are used like a roadmap. Mm-hmm. Um, I did find this really nice quote from Robert Jordan that says, prophecy is most dangerous when you try to make it happen. The pattern weaves itself around you, but when you try to weave it, you cannot hold it. Mm. So, I mean, That's I think good. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see how he felt about it because he's, you know, he's almost like a gardener watering like an unruly (laughs) plant. And, (laughs) you know, the prophecies have this potential to keep growing and taking over the whole story. But if you do it right, it'll kind of like gently nudge you in a direction. Yeah. Yeah. And with a book of this, you know, the size, (laughs) that's, I mean, that's what it has to do, right? Yeah. I mean, you couldn't possibly do this many books with twists and turns every couple chapters. There'd be no way to finish them. It's it's why, I think it's why it leads up the way it does. Like Mm -hmm. the, here's all the description, blah, blah, blah. Action, action, action at the end. Like, Robert, we're talking about you again. We'll uh, always think of that video. We'll always think of that video. But that's, we're, talking, I mean, we're think... talking about meme Robert, not Robert Jordan. Right. <laughs> good, good distinction. Good distinction. Yeah. Um, I, I love that analogy of the gardener. <laughs> I think that's it's, so true. It's some, I mean, I've heard it before with other authors, and it's really just kind of, you know, like, these stories are just like gardens and they can go their own Mm -hmm. way and I'm sure there were sections where he thought maybe I'll go this route and it ends up changing so yeah cool yeah and I think too um you know (laughs) as much as the prophecies here kind of (laughs) give me like traumatic flashbacks of being forced to like do like Bible studies in Catholic high school, you know, with all the doom and gloom, there are twists and turns that make it worth it. And there's, you know, there's enough to keep me, like, very satisfied. So as much as I'm like, eh, I'm like, oh, okay. Me too. I get it. Yeah, and I feel feel like I actually – I feel like I actually appreciate the the prophecies a bit more after – actually Definitely. paying attention to them because like you said i'm usually just a oh god there's a prophecy piece skip over this get to the action but mm-hmm. having to like sit and actually read them was it was fun it was fun i didn't read all of it because i'm reading at least two other books right now so i i it's mostly so much skimmed through it it's so much information and i mean and you don't want to burn yourself out either yes like, if yeah yeah you- this, this is definitely one of the harder things where you feel like it's necessary and you have to talk about it. But at the same time, like what you said in the beginning, you don't want your eyes to glaze over Mm-mm. and just be like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I've read the same paragraph four times now and I still am not quite sure what it says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just kind of like tried to skim it and go through it and be satisfied with it that way. Um, and I do, I like you said, I think it's worth it to know. Like... Agreed. Not for us, for people who are digging into this series, I'm sure there are people who know way more about this, and I'm sure we've probably gotten stuff wrong, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> someone will tell us. And a lot of it, too, is just like our commentary, you know? Exactly. It's, everybody's going to look at prophecies and think different things. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think it's so kind too. of the point. Yeah. 
to like, and I think we did a really good job of not just like reading off of like what we found on the internet. We could have, we could have read you the, yeah, we could have read you the internet, but that would be very boring. <laughs> Buckle in, we're reading the internet today. <laughs> so should we wrap things up? Yes, yes, okay. let's do it. First off, thanks so much for joining us. We'll continue to release new episodes every Wednesday and would love if you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us reviews and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Really, please do. (laughs) Correct (laughs) us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a Discord channel. Just find us on any of our social media platforms and we can send you an invite. We can. So until next week. Thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalon. 